Oh Lord, we long to worship you. This song is taken out from Scripture, Psalms 42. As the deer pants for, for the water brook, so my heart longs for you, O oh God. May that be our heart desire every day of our lives. As we look to the Lord this morning, prepare our hearts for the Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, in whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, the first commandment is this, the Lord our God is the Holy Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment 
greater than this. Amen. Have mercy upon us and write all these laws in our hearts. As we come before the Lord, let's continue to look to the Lord. Let's take a moment now to reflect the week that has passed. If there's anything that we have sinned against the Lord, let's come before Him in confession. Anything that we have done through negligence, through weakness, through our own willfulness, let's come before the Lord and confess our sins. Because Scripture tells us that for God so loved the world that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. So, brothers and sisters, let us now confess our sins in penitence and faith, truly resolve to keep God's commandment and to live in love and peace with all men. Let us take a seat or kneel as we come before the Lord with a humble heart, confessing our sins. So let us all pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant us that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. And so, church, hear these comforting words. Knowing that as we confess of our sins, God will forgive us. And so, Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, may He have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins. May He confirm and strengthen you in His goodness and keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So as redeemed people, shall we all stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord and say welcome to the house of God. Come all, come with your burdens, come with your struggles as you are.
Father, the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for you paid the price and brought us hope 
We thank you, Father. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you sin and shame in love you came and gave amazing grace thank you for this love Lord thank you for the nail pierced hands wash me in your cleansing No. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the price that you pay. Thank you, Father. And Lord, indeed, we, we remind ourselves and say that, Lord, You redeem us for a purpose, Lord. Father, help us to go beyond being thankful at the foot of the cross. And to see that, Father, yes, you are our Redeemer. But you invite us to say, oh, Father, will we let you to be our master? For God, we say, Lord, that nothing compares to you. Father, what have we been running after? Let me say that, God, you hold eternity in your hands and nothing compares to you. If you're 
Please be seated. We're going to spend some time in prayer and intercession. I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 and 2. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. Church, this is a promise that the Lord has given to Israel, and that is for us as children of Abraham, through faith. Father God, there is no God like you in heaven above or earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your children, who walk wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servants, who came before us. You promised, Lord, and you have fulfilled it. Lord, this day we claim your promise of protection over this community here, all saints, that they may lift their hands and claim in the name of our Lord Jesus. Let your word of deliverance, healing and restoration come true in the lives of all those here who are seeking you, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. We pray for everybody who is gathered here, those who may have anxiety in their lives, those who are uncertain about what is to come, those who are stressed with work, those who are running after the things of the world, those who have problems with their families today, health issues, even remember those who are not able to come to church today, Lord. Lord, I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will restore your soul today. He will fill your heart with gladness. If you have come expecting to see that glimpse of the Lord in you, working in your lives, this is your time, this is your place to meet him. Reach out to him and he will deliver you. He will give you that comfort that the things of the world cannot give you. And he will make you an overcomer. Thank you, Lord. We come with this community here into your hands. We pray that they will stand strong and grow for you, Lord. Father God, this day, also pray for our church leaders. We remember our diocese and bishop, our pastors, our staff members. We pray for them. We pray that they remember their first calling. We pray that you bless them with all spiritual abilities that they can shine for you, that they can equip the members of this church here. Lord, send them a spirit of encouragement today that they can walk in a manner worthy of their calling. You also remember this day, the upcoming church camp, especially the speakers. We pray for Bishop Raphael Samuel. We pray for Reverend Nicholas Chu. We pray that the Holy Spirit will guide them as they prepare for the camp. We pray that you equip them, Lord, with wisdom, that they may draw closer to you, all those who seek you. And we also pray that you strengthen their families during this time. You protect them even as they travel to the camp. Thank you. Church, we want to also remember at this time the tragedy that has happened in Turkey and Syria. We remember the people who have suffered the tragic earthquake. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Lord, hear their cries. Comfort them. Comfort the family members, the friends, all those who are mourning the loss. We pray for the first responders, for the volunteers, and all those who are working tirelessly now to rescue survivors, to bring food, shelter, medicines. May God's peace sustain their efforts this day, Lord. For those who have lost homes, Lord, that you would provide them with shelter. Lord, I pray especially for believers and churches in this area in Turkey, that they may rise up to the occasion and show love to their neighbors in more tangible ways, sharing the hope of the gospel. And Lord, we pray that you inspire generosity 
in the hearts of the people around the world that they can step up to rebuild the communities, Lord. Let us not turn away, Lord, but help. Let us be your hands and feet to love those who are suffering at this time. Yes, Lord, we commit them to your hands. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Before we have our scripture reading, I have an announcement to make. It's regarding our chaplaincy over Kiriak. Some of you may have heard, some of you may not know. Um, the principal, Agnes, Agnes Yeo, who has been with Kiriak for a number of years now, has tendered her resignation at the end of um, December. So I heard that, it, it, I understand that he, he he has to give three months, she has to give three months notice. So she's serving her notice. She will finish with KDR end of March. So APS, the Anglican Preschool Services, will send somebody or send a new principal in um, soon, I heard. So um, do pray for KDR, the teachers and the current batch of students as they go through this period of trans transition. So this is just for our information. Church, shall we stand as we receive the gospel reading? <clears throat> the gospel reading for this evening can be found in the eighth chapter according to the gospel of St. Luke, beginning at the 40th verse. Glory to Christ, our Savior. Luke's gospel, chapter 8, reading from verses 40 to verses 56. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Now as Jesus went, the people pressed around him, 
and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Verse 49, While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And the spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that someone, something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to Christ our Lord. Will you please be seated? <coughs> Shall we bow our heads as we come to the Lord in prayer? So gracious and heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word given to us this evening. Psalms 119 verse 105 says that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so this evening as we come into your house, we pray, Lord, that your word will truly be a guide for us to teach us how to care for one another with the words that we use. So Holy Spirit, will you just come into our midst, speak to us as we give you glory and honour and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. <coughs> Amen. You know, I wonder, have you ever been, have you had a time in your life when you have committed so much to someone and somehow they doubted your abilities, they wrongly accused you for not being truthful, and then they even labelled you as incapable and hopeless? Has this word spoken to you hurt so deep in a way that you still remember them to this very day? And perhaps for some of us, you still hold a grudge against the individual who said these things to you. Are the words still fresh and open as it was in the first instance you experienced them? You know, I believe we all have gone through such demoralizing and maybe even unpleasant experiences. And without a doubt, words do hurt us. And the wounds that come with it don't heal as easily or quickly as we would have liked. And so in this instance, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is not entirely correct. Why? Because sticks and stones do break our bones, and at times can even prove to be fatal. In fact, the Bible will testify to several incidents of people being stoned to death. 
And the example that comes to mind is probably the first martyr, Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, as a case in point. <clears throat> However, if we are to be honest enough, you will agree with me that in regard to the second part, it is totally untrue. Words can never hurt us. Unkind words spoken, negative words spoken to you will never hurt you. Really? Truth be told, unkind words do injure us, though not in a manner of a physical abuse, but in reality, sometimes the pain is worse as it goes deep down. <clears throat> I mean, you know, to be yelled at or to be called like stupid, idiot, useless, especially by loved ones or by people that we trust, can certainly inflict a wound so deep that it leaves behind a negative mark which sometimes requires years to, require, to, to, to recover. <laughs> and mind you, it's not just the words used, but the way it is said that is equally harmful. <laughs> I remember once there was a boy that I was counselling <clears throat> back, back in my days when I was at St Hilda's uh, chaplaincy work. <clears throat> He came to me, you know, and he was all very frustrated. Why? Because he grew up his, in, his, in his household, his parents, his father especially, keep laboring but it's useless. Keep saying that you, you are useless to me, you can't do anything. And the boy grew up believing that he's useless. It manifests in his own life and he ended up, in a sense, believing that he was useless. And the truth is many people don't take seriously the power of the tongue and its deadly ability to devastate others. We tend to underestimate the effects of spoken words. We fail to realize that it takes only a few inconsiderate sentences to cause much harm and pain. And this is why you find in the Bible, in the book of James, in this letter, he devotes a section in chapter 3, reminding us that the human tongue Though it is small, a small part of the body still has this power to create a tremendous impact and cause much damage to one's life. James even continued to describe the tongue as something that is full of deadly poison. <laughs> so yes, church, the power of words can either be destructive that brings us down or it can be constructive uplift all of us. And to quote a Jewish author, <coughs> Yehuda Berg, he says this, words are singularly the most powerful source available to humanity. We can choose to use this force constructively with words of encouragement or destructively using words of despair. He then continues to add by saying that words have energy and power with the ability to help to hinder, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. And you know, the Bible has a verse that supports this. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So therefore, for us as a church, as we go on in this sermon series of living a worthy life, if we want to live this gentle life worthy of the calling of God, it requires you and I to be careful with the words that we use with one another. <clears throat> and in the gospel reading today, 
We're going to look at this passage and we're going to learn from the master himself as to how he was gentle, how he was caring for others through the spoken words that he used. And we're going to find here in Luke chapter 8 that Jesus gently cared by speaking words of praise, speaking words of encouragement, and speaking words of hope. So with that, let's consider the first way. <clears throat> and if you have your Bibles, please open to it as we're going to refer to this particular passage. <clears throat> and you'll find that the text begins with Jesus encountering a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus. And if you move back to verse 26, <clears throat> we are told that Jesus was returning from a hill country of the Gerasen, which is opposite of Galilee. And why was he there? Well, we are told because simply that he was there to heal a man who was possessed with many demons. And so he was now returning back. And so upon his arrival, as usual, wherever Jesus went, there was a huge crowd waiting to greet and welcome him. And among the crowd of people was this man named Jairus. His one reason for approaching Jesus was because, as we are told in verse 42, that his only daughter was in critical condition to the point of death. Now, whether it was an illness, we do not know because the Bible is silent. <laughs> but Jairus probably heard of the many miracles that Jesus had performed, and so out of sure desperation, he went to Jesus and begged Jesus to heal his only daughter. And so Jesus agreed, and the story continues to tell us they, they proceeded on to Jairus' home with the crowd following him and pressing onto him. And then suddenly, verse 46 tells us that Jesus perceived that someone had intentionally touched him because he felt power has gone out from him. <clears throat> and so as he turned to the crowd and asked, who is it that touched me? Initially, no one stood forward to lay claim. But when it was finally revealed that a woman suffering from a discharge of blood for 12, year, 12 long years was the culprit, I want you to notice how Jesus responded to this woman. <clears throat> I think one would, we would probably expect, you know, when the woman confessed that it was her, we probably expect that Jesus would give her a bashing, you know, or maybe she, uh, Jesus would give her an earful. But notice that there was no scolding. There was no scolding, there was no reprimanding, there was no condemnation on the part of Jesus. Instead, what did the Lord do? We find that Jesus cared for the woman with words of praise. Listen again to what he said to her. He said this, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. <coughs> It wasn't, why did you touch me? Who gave you the permission to do this? No. It was a gentle reply. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. <clears throat> now, I want you to notice this sentence of Jesus. Notice <clears throat> how he addressed this woman. He called her daughter. And this is an intimate term. In indicating that there's that close bond between him and her. You see, Jesus recognized her worth as someone that is precious, someone that is dear to him, someone as belonging to be part of the family of God. 
In calling this woman daughter, Jesus did not see this woman as the world sees her, as a social outcast. Because you must remember <coughs> that for, for a woman who, who, who has blood, discharge of blood, she's often considered as an outcast. You know, people would not want to associate with her. But not Jesus. Jesus called her daughter. And then in the next line, your faith has made you well. What Jesus was doing here was that he was, he was commending the woman for her courage and her bonus. In short, he praised her for her faith. He praised her for her willingness, for her bonus in believing that by touching him, she would be well. It was Mark Twain who once said this, that I can live for two months on a sincere compliment. <laughs> I can live for two months on one sincere compliment. <laughs> and so for, this is for us to think. If indeed praise costs so little, why is it that we tend to use it so sparingly? When we are aware of the good it does, why is it that we still so stingy with the praises? You know, you find that in most of if not all of Paul's letters that he wrote, <coughs> the apostle would often offer praise to his readers. For instance, you read in Romans chapter 1, verse 8, he begins to say, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He praised the Romans. In 1 Corinthians, verse 1 to 4, he said, I give thanks to my God always for you. He praised the Christians in Corinthians. And then in Philippians 1, 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So Paul has this habit of praising the people that he come into contact with. In church, we should learn to emulate both the examples set by Paul as well as our Lord Jesus. Don't fill our conversation with negative remarks, but instead, let us fill it with positive and affirming words. Why? Because nothing builds self-esteem in others like honest praise and appreciation. <clears throat> so with this, let me begin first by setting the example. Let me set the example by praising all of you here gathered today, this evening. I want to praise and thank you for your faithfully coming regularly every week for service. You know, and I especially want to address those of you who, you know, you may not be able to come on Saturday, but you still take the effort to come on Sunday. I want to affirm you that truly, deep down from my heart, I think God is pleased with your commitment in wanting to do so. You do not give any reason or justification that I can't come today means I can't come on Sunday or and vice versa. So keep up the good work, all right? For those of you who have been coming regularly, I believe God will be praising you too. Let me also take this opportunity to praise all the cell group leaders in our midst today. Thank you for your commitment in caring and feeding the cell. Because as I always say, right, the life of the church really depends on you cell leaders. You cell leaders play a very important role <coughs> in assisting me to grow the church that the way God wants. So once again, to all you cell leaders, deep down in my heart, I do appreciate your effort. Now that I set the ball rolling, it's your turn to put into practice. What I want you to do is this. Turn to your neighbor, to the left and to the right. You offer a word of praise, and you say to him or her, 
you look good today. Do that. And then you reply back, but I look better. Come on, let's do that. <coughs> let's offer praise to each other. <coughs> oh, Carl, nobody wants to offer praise to you. You're too far away. <coughs> but I look better. Praise the Lord. Let's continue on in the, in the sermon. Now, we move on to verse 49. And we read next that immediately after praising the woman, we are told here that someone from Jairus' household appeared to him with the bad news that his daughter is now dead. Now, I'm sure words from the news, from such news, must have been devastating for Jairus. I mean, think about this. No parent should be, bur should be burying their child, isn't it? It should always be the other way around. <clears throat> and at times like this, when there's fear and uncertainty, what is needed most are truly words of encouragement and comfort. <clears throat> and once again, we find that our Lord never disappoints as He now displays His care for Jairus by immediately assuring him with these gentle words. In verse 50, He says this, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Here, Jesus is allaying Jairus' fear by encouraging him to believe in him, the one who can heal. You see, what Jesus was saying to Jairus was that despite the situation, all is not doom and gloom. When all seems lost, boost each other up with words of encouragement. <coughs> Barnabas is another biblical character in which we can learn much from regarding this whole idea of encouraging one another. And not surprisingly, you will know that Barnabas, his name simply means son of encouragement. Now, what did he do to that, that we can recognize him as an encourager? Well, if you recall the incident in Acts chapter 15, verse 37 and verse 14, we find here that Paul refused to take John Mark on his second missionary journey. Why? Because Mark withdrew the last time. In the first missionary journey where, where, where Paul went with John, you know, this guy, this young man being immature probably, he kind of chickened out halfway and he left the group. And Paul didn't like this. But Barnabas, being the encourager that he was, nevertheless, he saw the immense potential in this young man despite his failures. And so Barnabas took the opportunity to take John Mark under his wing, to build him up, to encourage him to the point that later on the Apostle Paul himself recognized of Mark's contribution in the future. You know, in our midst, we have people like that also. And I want to take this opportunity to highlight to you Dean. Dean, where are you, Dean? You are there, yeah. You know, Dean is another example of someone who's a great encourager. I think we are all aware, we heard the story before last year, isn't it, yeah? how he mentored, he motivated Isaiah. And you know Isaiah, Isaiah is a kind of a very timid, shy guy, huh? all right? But yet, Dean did a great job. He motivated, he mentored Isaiah, so much so that you heard the story, how they went for an art competition, and Isaiah won first prize. So we too can play our part in encouraging one another. <clears throat> and so what we can do is simply this. The next time, whoever is behind the pupit, will you please go and encourage the person 
at the end of the service. If the sermon has spoken to you, go up to the person and say, thank you, the word has spoken to me. We all need this encouragement and we all can play this role. So Jesus showed care and concern by offering words of praise. He showed care and concern by offering words of encouragement. <coughs> and now we move on to verse 51 and we find that Jesus now displayed care through words of hope. And now in this particular section, we find that as Jesus and the entourage arrived at Jairus' house, they heard weeping and moaning. And I must say that if you are Jairus, if you hear this weeping and moaning, it must have truly crushed your heart. And Jesus, sensing that Jairus had perhaps lost all hope, what did he do? He offered Jairus these words of hope. He said to him, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. You know, I heard of this story, and I believe it's a true story. The story was told of a soldier <coughs> who was coming home in the Vietnam War. But before he came home, he called his parents to inform them of his impending return. <coughs> Mom, Dad, I'm coming home. I'm finally coming home after the war. But I have a favor to ask of you. He said, you see, I have a friend that I'd like to bring home with me. <coughs> sure, the parents answered enthusiastically, we'd like to meet him. Then the boy continued to say, but there's something that you should know. He was injured by stepping on a landmine, and as a result, he lost an arm and a leg. He has nowhere to go, and I want him to live with us. Now, upon hearing this, the parents responded, you know, that maybe it's better that the, the, the guy, you know, spend somewhere else because it's going to be very difficult, it's going to be burdensome. And so the next 10 minutes, they went on to and fro where the, where the boy insists that he wanted a friend to stay and the parents insisting uh, that it was not possible. And so after that, the son hung up the phone and the parents heard nothing from him since then. Then a few days later, the police came over to the parents' house to inform of the terrible news that the son had fallen from a building. Apparently, he had committed suicide. And so the grief-stricken parents went to the morgue to identify the body of the son. <coughs> but to their horror, they discovered something else, that their son had lost an arm and a leg. You see, this simple story is a reminder <coughs> that without hope, we humans will naturally give up and we will perish. And saying to Jairus, do not weep for she is not dead but sleeping, Jesus was offering hope. Jesus was pointing out to the reality that there is still hope. As long as Jesus is around, there will always be hope. Others around may not see it, or the situation may appear otherwise. But as I say it again, whenever Christ is present, Hope is always a possibility. Now, why were the mourners at Jairus' house laughing at Jesus in verse 53? Well, it was simply because of what he said. She is not dead, but sleeping. See, they were laughing at Jesus because they believed that there was no hope for Jairus' daughter as she was already 
But when you trust in Jesus to give you that hope, there's reason to live. Hope is what keeps you and I going. In a world that is filled with doom and despair, the call for us is to be constantly speaking words of hope. <coughs> so today, if there's anyone here, perhaps you may be in a seemingly hopeless situation, I want you to know, just as Jairus did, turn to the one who can give us hope, Jesus himself. And as I turn to him, may you be encouraged. I want to conclude <coughs> with a personal testimony of my family and to relate how vital it is for us, for you and I, to be caring people by speaking words, positive words, encouraging words. <coughs> it is a testimony of my oldest son, Gabriel, when he took his PSLE many, many, many years back. <coughs> you see, among the four subjects, in case you don't know, uh, PSLE students only take four subjects. Very nice, uh, only four subjects. But among the four subjects, he struggled most was mathematics. Like his father, he was very terrible with figures. And so he would struggle with his numbers. And so naturally, as concerned parents, Cassandra and I, we decided to find him a tutor. And we managed to find one who happens to just stay across our block. And you know, the interesting thing was this, this particular tutor that, that we came across happened to be someone that I knew because she was a prayer warrior. She was, a pair, she was one of a praying parent that was part of the chaplaincy ministry at St. Hilda's Secondary School. <coughs> and so we enrolled him with this tutor, um, hoping that his grades would improve. And during the session, sessions, as we discovered, you know, whenever she had time with my son, what she would do, she would constantly praise him. She would constantly encourage him. She would often tell him, Gabriel, don't give up. You can do it. And at times, she would even, you know, pray for him, give him a verse just to motivate him to continue on. <coughs> well, to cut the long story short, when his results came up, Cassandra and I, we were all shaking with fear, not knowing whether he would do well or not, you know, worried whether he would even pass his maths. Well, as the result came out against all odds, he passed his maths. In fact, let me tell you this, of all the four subjects, his maths grade turns out to be the highest. Amazing, isn't it? His best subject was English, but yet his maths, who was the weakest subject of all, came up to be his best subject. As I reflected over this, I realized that that's what the power of word does when we begin to care for one another. And so church, as we end, let us learn to be caring disciples. Let us learn to gently care for one another with the words we use, the way that Jesus showed us. Let us speak to those who have done well with words of praise. To those who are down and out, offer words of encouragement. And to those who are in despair and lost all hope, offer words of hope. Shall we pray? So, Father, we want to thank you. The Lord, you are one who's caring for us. And from this passage this evening, we have seen how you cared for both Jairus and the woman.
through the words that you use. Teach us, Lord, this evening to emulate this example in using words that will praise others, words that will offer encouragement, and words that will give hope. So help us, Lord, to learn to be disciples, learning to care for each other with words. We pray all this in the name of the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Shall we stand? Let's remain standing as we exchange the peace. We are the body of Christ in the one spirit. We are baptized into one body. Let us pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Shall we go around as we exchange the peace with one another?
Let's prepare ourselves as we uh, take offertory for communion. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longed about to thee. standing as we continue on in the service, as we declare that the Lord is here, lift up your hearts, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy at all times and in all places to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your only Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born as man and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. So therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name forever praising you. And together we say, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Will you please kneel if you are able? If not, you may be seated. 
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, this gift of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood. Who in the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread, he gave you thanks, he gave it to them saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup. He gave you thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink this all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. So therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself, made once for all upon the cross, and proclaim his mighty resurrection and his glorious ascension as we eat and drink this bread and this cup, this one perfect sacrifice. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise, as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us all in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Together we say, blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. And so as our Saviour taught us, let us together recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And so, dearly beloved, we break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body. Because we all share in the one bread. The prayer of humble access. We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in your own righteousness, by your manifold and your great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to get up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. <laughs> Once again, we invite all those who are confirmed and baptized as Anglicans, you may come forward to receive the Holy Communion. But for those of you who are guests, if you are baptized in your own church, you have received communion in your own church, you may also come forward. But if not, bear in mind that Holy Communion is only meant for Christians. So if you're not a Christian, you have not taken Holy Communion before, please refrain from doing so. So with that, let us draw near with faith. Let us receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Let us eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you. And let us feed on him in our hearts by faith every thanksgiving.
Amen.
Let us continue in prayer. As we pray, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and you brought us home. Dying and living, you declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope that you are set before us so that we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us give thanks. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the blood and body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of the Holy Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. And so may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and the love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you now and always. So let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, Amen. Shall we stand as we sing the closing song? We've seen from today's sermon that Jesus met the needs of people where they are and offered the words of comfort and peace. And sometimes we wonder how much we can do, but I think our own responses to the challenges that we face, it really tells a lot when we proclaim of His faithfulness, of His mercy, of His peace. So may we be used to be channels of His blessings. That's our prayer. be filled with dancing May our streets be filled with joy May injustice bow to Jesus As the people turn and pray From the
Lord Jesus, let our proclamations of your truth, your mercy, your peace, your grace, and your love bring hope to those whom you bring across in our lives, Father. Be glorified. And Lord, help us, help us to run, to run towards you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The service ends here.